welcome to the Family Planning Files, a podcast developed by the National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning. I'm your host, Katherine Atchison. In today's podcast, part of the February 2023 Clinician Cafe on providing care to American Indian and Alaska Native clients, we'll be discussing the Indian Health Service and health disparities among American Indian and Alaska Native peoples. Our guests today are Tina Pataralau, MD, and Stacy Dawson, PhD, MSM, CNM. Dr. Patara Lau is a board-certified OBGYN and the current maternal and child health consultant with the Indian Health Service Office of Clinical and Preventative Services. Dr. Dawson is a nurse midwife and currently serves as the Indian Health Service's Senior Women's Health Nurse Consultant within the Division of Nursing Services. Welcome to the podcast, both of you. We're so excited to speak with you today. First is Dr. Dawson. Dr. Dawson, to start with, for our listeners, can you tell us what the IHS, or Indian Health Service, is, along with tribal health services and urban Indian health organizations, and what the differences are between these three entities? How are services typically delivered through these organizations? Thank you again for having us on today. Uh, to start, I can just briefly break down the different services within the Indian healthcare system. There's the Indian Health Service IHS Direct Healthcare Services. IHS services are administered through a system of 12 area offices and 170 IHS and tribally managed service units. The tribally operated healthcare services are Titles 1 and 5 of the Indian Self-Determination and Education Assistance Act, otherwise known as uh, 638. It provides the tribes the option of exercising their right to self-determination by assuming control and management of programs that were previously administered by the federal government. Since 1992, the IHS has entered into agreements with tribes and tribal organizations to plan, conduct, and administer programs authorized under Section 102 of the Act. Today, over 60% of the IHS appropriations are administered by tribes, uh, primarily through self-determination contracts or self-governance compacts. And then last, Urban Indian Healthcare Services and Resource Centers that you mentioned. The IHS Office of Urban Indian Health Programs was established in 1976 to make healthcare services more accessible to urban Indians. The IHS enters into limited competing contracts and grants with 41 urban Indian organizations to provide healthcare and referral services for urban Indians throughout the United States. These urban Indian organizations provide access to culturally appropriate and quality health care services, which include full ambulatory care, outreach and referral, residential and outpatient substance abuse treatments programs. This four-in-one grant program provides funding to urban Indian organizations to address the four health program areas, including health promotion and disease prevention services, immunization services, alcohol and substance abuse-related services, and mental health services. Preventive measures involving environmental, educational, and outreach activities are combined with therapeutic measures into a single national health system. Most IHS funds are appropriated for American Indian Alaska Natives who live on or near reservations or Alaska villages. Congress has also authorized funding to support these programs that provide some access to care for American India, Alaska Natives who live in urban areas. 
These health services are provided directly by IHS through tribally contracted and operated health programs and through services purchased from private providers. Our federal system consists of 24 hospitals, 51 health centers, 24 health stations, and seven youth regional treatment centers. In addition, these 41 urban Indian health programs mentioned provide a variety of health and referral services. And then through the uh, 638 self-determination contracts mentioned, American Indian tribes and Alaska Native corporations administer 22 hospitals, 279 health centers, 79 health stations, 163 Alaska village clinics, and six youth regional treatment centers. And Dr. Dawson, now that we have an idea of what these services look like for American Indian and Alaska Native peoples. Can you tell us how many clients are served by the IHS every year? And is every enrolled tribal member entitled to IHS services? How many patients receive care through tribal health services or urban Indian health organizations in contrast? The Indian Health Service, one agency within the Department of Health and Human Services, is responsible for providing federal health services to American Indians and Alaska Natives. The provision of health services to members of federally recognized tribes grew out of a special government-to-government relationship between the federal government and Indian tribes. This relationship, established in 1787, is based on Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution and has been given form and substance by numerous treaties, laws, Supreme Court decisions, and executive orders. The IHS is the principal federal health care provider and health advocate for American Indian and Alaska Native people, and its goal is to raise their health status to the highest possible level. The IHS provides a comprehensive health service delivery system for approximately 2.6 million American Indians and Alaska Natives who belong to 574 federally recognized tribes in 37 different states. And what is the role of culture and community in the IHS or tribal health services and urban Indian health organizations? And why is it important in providing care to patients who are enrolled tribal members? Well, first, it is important to note that each tribe, community, family, and individual may have varying practices related to their culture. A strong connectedness to extended family is central amongst many American Indian Alaska Native cultures, and this must be considered in developing plans of care for patients and families. Inclusion of family members or support persons is integral to providing care for the whole patient, providing holistic care to raise the physical, mental, social, and spiritual health of American Indian and Alaska Native to the highest level is a central tenant in healthcare provision for American Indian and Alaska Natives. And our health system acknowledges the importance of culture and community in providing care in a culturally responsive manner. Patients are more likely to return to care when they feel acceptance, belonging, and respect. It is one goal of the health system to create this patient-centered, culturally appropriate medical home for all American Indian and Alaska Native people. What are some of the challenges faced by providers within the Indian Health Service and other American Indian Alaska Native health organizations? So one challenge providers face is related to helping ensure that patients have adequate access to care due to various factors. For example, a provider may want to contact a patient about lab results, but the patient no longer has a working phone. Or we may want to have a patient come in for frequent blood pressure monitoring, but they are unable to make the trips due to distance or lack of transportation or childcare. 
Innovation in healthcare becomes key, kind of figuring out how to best meet the patient's needs. This may include um, public health nursing or home visiting program care, expanded clinic hours for evenings and weekends, or any number of unique programs that are designed for expanding this access to care. For example, we know that self-monitored blood pressure is one step that we can take in order to empower patients and ownership of their health care and to decrease barriers in achieving optimal access to care. This is especially important in our American Indian Alaska Native population who may live in very rural or remote areas and may face additional challenges surrounding transportation, childcare, or other hardships that are keeping uh, multiple frequent appointments for blood pressure monitoring. In late fall of 2021, the IHS Division of Nursing Services purchased and disseminated 825 automatic blood pressure cuffs and disseminated those to several locations as part of a pilot project on self-monitored blood pressure for pregnant and postpartum patients. And we look forward to potentially partnering with other organizations in order to expand this project in the future. You touched upon this briefly when we discussed provider challenges but what are the challenges faced by patients in these same organizations? So we know that health status is not really just a healthcare issue, but it's about ensuring that there are adequate economic, employment, and educational opportunities, safe communities, suitable housing. These things and more all work in concert to affect health status, and therefore vital that all available resources, both federal and private sector, be brought to bear on Indian health issues. Social determinants of health can have a significant impact on individual and population health and well-being. In order to remove some of the challenges or barriers faced by the American Indian and Alaska Native population, we must address social determinants of health as well. What are some ways Title X and other sexual and reproductive health providers who make up the bulk of our listening audience can support patients who receive IHS or other Indian Alaska Native health services or work together with these organizations to deliver care? Title 10 family planning clinics and providers have played a critical role in ensuring access to a broad range of family planning and preventive health services and are an essential partner in reproductive health care. We know that many patients will continue to rely on Title 10 funded services for their basic preventative health care one of the cornerstones of the Title X program is the confidentiality protections for individuals seeking sensitive health services. Title X can provide peace of mind to adolescents, those experiencing intimate partner violence, and other individuals seeking health privacy. Additionally, specific to the American Indian Alaska Native population we serve, Title X providers have helped bridge the gap in health disparities with culturally competent care as one focus and directive of the program. Continued provision of both individual patient education and public education about family planning and sexual health issues and community level outreach is key. To pivot a little bit, Dr. Dawson, I'd also like to discuss health disparities in American Indian and Alaska Native communities. What are some common health disparities that are seen today? American Indian Alaska Native people have long experienced lower health status when compared with other Americans. Lower life expectancy and disproportionate disease burden exists perhaps because of some of the social determinants of health I discussed previously, education, poverty, discrimination in healthcare services, cultural differences. 
These are broad quality of life issues that are rooted in economic adversity and poor social conditions, diseases of the heart, malignant cancers, unintentional injuries, diabetes, all of these uh, leading causes of American Indian Alaska Native deaths. American Indian Alaska Natives born today have a life expectancy that is five and a half years less than the U.S. all races population and continue to die at higher rates than other Americans in many categories, including chronic liver disease, cirrhosis, diabetes, unintentional injury, homicide, and intentional self-harm or suicide, as well as chronic lower respiratory diseases. Given the higher health status enjoyed by most Americans, the lingering health disparities of American Indian Alaska Natives are troubling. And trying to account for the disparities, healthcare experts, policymakers, and tribal leaders are looking at many factors that impact upon the health of Indian people, including the adequacy for funding for the Indian healthcare delivery system. Thank you so much, Dr. Dawson. And now on to Dr. Pater Lau. Hi, thanks, Catherine. To continue our discussion, Dr. Pater Lau, I was surprised to learn and I think that many people in the United States today are that the vast majority of American Indian and Alaska Native peoples live in urban and suburban areas versus rural or tribal lands. Are there any differences in health disparities among those who live in these different environments? There are. And for background, approximately 70% of American Indian and Alaska Natives live in urban areas. About 25% reside in counties served by urban Indian health programs. Urban Indians not only share same health problems as the general Indian population, but these problems can often be exacerbated um, in terms of mental and physical hardships um, because of the distance, lack of family, and traditional cultural environments. Urban Indian youth are at greater risk for serious mental health conditions, uh, substance use, suicide, increased gang activity, teen pregnancy, abuse, and neglect. Recent studies of the urban Indian population document poor health status and reveal that a lack of adequate health care services is a serious problem for most families. As Dr. Dawson explained, urban Indian health programs are authorized and funded through Title V. Title V funds are only one source of funding for urban uh, programs. Most obtain supplemental resources from other federal, state, local, and private sources. The IHS provides contracts and grants, as mentioned above, to 41 urban-centered profit urban Indian organizations, providing healthcare services at 59 locations throughout the U.S. Um, these programs often define the scope of services based upon the documented and unmet needs of the communities they serve and incorporate culturally specific activities. Services can range from ambulatory healthcare to community-based outreach programs such as health fairs, after-school or summer programs focused on nutrition and fitness, we have arts such as crafts and dance. Uh, some sites have established women health clinics um, to help provide services for contraception, uh, well women exams, and prenatal care. I do want to note here that we may use gender-specific pronouns based on data or established names or titles, but IHS is inclusive to all persons seeking reproductive health care services regardless of gender identity. And that actually brings us quite well to our next question. Most Title X patients themselves identify as women and are under the age of 30. Are there specific health disparities seen in American Indian Alaska Native populations in this age group and gender? Yes, um, there are health disparities that disproportionately affect childbearing persons of reproductive age. In September of 2022, the CDC reported that 80% of maternal deaths were deemed to be preventable, with the primary cause being mental health conditions, including deaths by suicide and overdose. 
and the second cause being hemorrhage. Most maternal deaths occur one week to one year postpartum. A specific review of AI and data found identical causes of death and that 93% of deaths were preventable. The pregnancy morbidity mortality rate is at least two, or as we learned this week in JAMA, up to four to five times higher than nations who are white and non-Hispanic. Although this data is helpful information, um, we do acknowledge that the American Indian Alaska Native specific data is not always accurately included and often depends on multi-race identifiers and is likely underrepresented. As mentioned, the social determinants of health are the conditions and, and the environments where people are born, live, learn, work, play, worship, and age um, also contribute to health disparities. Uh, many of our patients reside in maternity care deserts uh, with limited ancillary support for mental health, substance use, or intimate partner violence to support these challenges. We also know American Indian Alaska Native births occur in all 50 states um, and the District of Columbia, with approximately 26% occurring in IHS or tribal facilities. We know these health disparities exist and have taken steps in IHS to prioritize maternal health and access to equitable healthcare services for patients across our sites. IHS and tribal sites have engaged in implementation of the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health, or AIM, safety bundles, with an early emphasis on implementation of the obstetric hemorrhage and hypertension bundles, and other bundles as prioritized by the individual sites. To prepare for emergencies, especially in the rural settings, IHS sites engage in regular simulation training. And um, these courses are regularly offered at sites across IHS. Childbirth simulator models were also distributed to the field for use in planning as instructor courses, codes, and emergency drills as needed. Um, in addition, all hospitals providing planned births um, have achieved baby-friendly designation. Um, contraception options are widely available. Many sites actually provide walk-in contraception clinics, and all IHS pharmacies provide Plan B over-the-counter. So we've talked a little bit about the disparities, but what are some other reproductive health metrics seen in Native communities, such as STI and HIV rates? COVID's increased the already existing barriers and widened the gaps to healthcare access in the U.S. Um, we've also seen um, in our population specifically a very sharp rise in congenital syphilis by 24%. We know that missed opportunities for prevention include uh, no timely prenatal care or no testing or inadequate treatment despite diagnosis. To address this, the IHS Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Loretta Christensen, has distributed guidelines to the field to increase screening and treatment, including a walk-in STI screening protocol, community screening, and field treatment. Additional patient education and screening tools have been developed and distributed in collaboration with the Northwest Portland Indian Health Board. American Indian Alaska Native pregnancy morbidity includes an elevated risk of preterm birth and low birth weight. We also know American Indian Alaska Native infant mortality is almost twice that of their white uh, Hispanic counterparts. So early and routine access to prenatal care is important and can help us identify high-risk pregnancy conditions for the maternal and infant diet. As Dr. Dawson mentioned, our sites have relied on innovative programs to community outreach and home visiting to connect patients with care. We're also working to develop a maternity care coordinator program to increase patient access and continuity of care during the critical time before, during, and after pregnancy. We've talked a lot about disparities here, but I'd also like to discuss a lot of the protective factors that are found in American Indian Alaska Native communities. What are they and how do they contribute to the health of their community members? As with Dr. Dawson, I've been honored to work in IHS for the past eight years alongside American Indian Alaska Native staff. 
serving this community. The culture is based around a very strong, supportive family structure. Um, for example, we were fortunate we had aunties at the bedside who provided birth support to pregnant patients. We welcomed traditional healers and practices, including smudging when there was an unfortunate outcome. Supported families who came together for community health fairs, which is a fantastic way to outreach to a community, native markets, sweat lodges, song and prayer. We embraced elders as leaders and guides for the community. And so as a healthcare provider, we really appreciate the family support and community partnership with the shared goal of elevating the health of American Indian Alaska Native patients. From a physician perspective, um, we also see the positive effects of collaborative practice with midwives and the lower national cesarean section rate for American Indian Alaska Native patients, about 28% versus the national average, uh, 31.9. Additionally, about 40% of women in IHS service areas breastfeed their infants for the first three months after birth, um, contributing to improved health outcomes for this population. Again, you and Dr. Dawson spoke quite a bit about how American Indian Alaska Native communities themselves are coming up with programs and ways to address health outcomes and health disparities among their own members. But how could local Title X clinicians and grantees support these community-led efforts and programs and learn about them? There are several community-based organizations who have elevated the needs of the American Indian population, especially in areas of reproductive health care. Some organizations we have been fortunate to work with include the Northwest Portland Indian Health Board, provides resources, including Indian Country Echo, educational webinars on topics such as STI screening and substance use. The American Indian Cancer Foundation provides culturally specific patient education and community support for breast and cervical cancer screening and treatment. And also the Navajo Breastfeeding Coalition provides lactation and group support for patients, as well as training for doulas. Um, we're very grateful to our federal and academic partners for leading health equity efforts focused on the American Indian Alaska Native community, such as the CDC, which recently launched the Hear Her campaign on maternal warning signs specifically for the AIM pregnant patient. ACOG's Committee on American Indian Alaska Native Women's Health and American Academy of Pediatrics Committee on Native American Child Health also work very closely with IHS. Title so X clinicians can support community-led efforts by continuing to learn about services available and reach out to these programs directly to identify areas for collaboration. Obviously, our conversation here has just been a taster on the subject of American Indian and Alaska Native Health and the Indian Health Service. Where are some good places for Title X clinicians or other family planning providers to learn more about the IHS and other Indian health organizations, as well as current health challenges in these communities? The IHS.gov website is a good place to start learning about IHS-specific programs. For example, the Special Diabetes Program for Indians provides education for providers, grants for diabetes management programs. Since inception of the SDPI, there has been an 8% reduction in the average blood sugar level, or A1C, for American Indian Alaskans with diagnosed diabetes between 1997 and 2015. Another resource is our Telebehavioral Health Center of Excellence, um, which provides uh, remote mental health support to sites and opportunities for on-demand continuing education um, for providers and staff. There are also several American Indian Alaska Native focused uh, conferences hosted by AAP and ACOG this year. 
In the maternal and child health space, we're working to promote communication among the IHS tribal and urban sites and to collaborate with our partners in academics and federal and community. Our program's goal is to bring care into the community um, by reducing barriers and increasing access to care. As mentioned, this includes the self-monitoring blood pressure for patients at home, home visiting programs, maternity care coordination, as well as preparing our critical access site for maternity care through also training as well as obstetric readiness and emergency department training. This has been a wonderful conversation, but all good things must come to an end. But before you all go, what would be your final takeaway for our clinicians as they return to their practices to keep in mind about American Indian Alaska Native clients and providing services to them? It's been an honor to serve and continue to serve the American Indian Alaska Native population, both in and outside of IHS. As a provider, I've really learned it's important to, uh, with any patient, but especially with American Indian Alaska Native patients, ask about culturally specific or personal preferences and involve the family and the community members. Um, we wanted to thank you, Catherine, and your team um, for inviting us to be part of the CTCFP program and for the opportunity to highlight the work we do in IHS. If you'd like to learn more about our services, um, please reach out to us. And thank you both for joining us today, Dr. Dawson and Dr. Powderalau, and for sharing your time and expertise. For more content, including previous podcast episodes, search for the family planning files or subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For transcript of this podcast, as well as other online learning activities and continuing education opportunities, please visit our website at www.ctcfp.org. While you are there, you can sign up to receive our newsletter, Clinical Connections, at the top of the page. You can also follow the National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning on Twitter at NCTCFP, all lowercase, and now on LinkedIn. The National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning is funded by the Office of Population Affairs to provide continuing education, training, and technical assistance to Title X grantees, subrecipients, and service sites, and is supported by DHHS Grant Number 5, FPTPA 0060-31-02-00. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal or medical advice or endorsement of specific products. Opinions expressed herein are the views of the contributors and do not necessarily reflect the official positions of the Department of Health and Human Services, or DHHS, Office of the Assistant Secretary of Health, or OASH, or the Office of Population Affairs, or OPA. No official support or endorsement by DHHS, OASH, or OPA is intended or should be inferred. Theme music written by Dan Jones and performed by Dan Jones and the Squids. Other production support provided by the Collaborative to Advance Health Services at the University of Missouri-Kansas City School of Nursing and Health Studies. And finally, thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. We hope that you'll join us next time for another episode of the Family Planning Files.